I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fish Stripes Unfiltered, episode 28. It is just Isaac and I today. Isaac, how are you? We have a lot to talk about today. We have top 30 prospects talk. We both made our list, and they're both out. Um, and then we're going to talk about Don Mattingly a little bit, his firing, what we think about it, and maybe throw out a, a candidate out there, too. Isaac, how are you? I'm doing great, man. As you mentioned, it was a mutual parting of ways between Donnie and the Marlins, announced on Sunday. We're recording this on Thursday, September 29th. And yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it in a little bit more depth later on in this episode. But yeah, a lot to cover today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, so as always, just subscribe on YouTube and everywhere where you listen to the pod. And um, let's just get right into it. Don Mattingly. Uh, this was definitely expected, I would say, at some point during the season. Maybe not this. I guess we maybe expected it towards the end of the year in case after the season, but um, you know, both of these, both Bruce Sherman and Don Mattingly came out with a statement of their own. I, I thought we were turning the corner in 20. You know, we, we kind of maybe overachieved just a touch uh, in 20, but I thought we were starting to gain that confidence and that unity as the organization was moving forward that um, we were going to be able to turn the corner. Last year was disappointing, and then this year has really been you know, kind of more of the same. And and that's really kind of the conclusion I come to is is it's time for a new voice, right? You know, it's it's time. I think it's best for the organization, quite honestly, that we that we have a new voice uh and 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 move forward. Both sides mutually agreed that a new voice was needed and 
you kind of saw things going down after that team meeting, Isaac. So I just want to get your thoughts on Don Mattingly's tenure overall as a, as a general, as the manager and your thoughts on his firing or not firing, parting of ways. Yeah. When we're looking at this photo, it's ironic that it's, you know, a couple of days after this was announced, it's when we have seen Donnie as livid as I've seen him in his entire Marlins tenure. Yeah. But yeah, he's been here since 2016. He's had to navigate. He went in with a team that was ready to win in 16 and 17. Wasn't able to get the best out of him. He had to, you know, carry, not carry, but, you know, really manage this team to one of the biggest tragedies in South Florida sports history. He did a great job with that. Yeah. You know, he led a team that had John Carlos Stan winning the National League Most Viable Player Award. And then he really embraced the, the build that Derek Jeter and Bruce Sherman came in to do. And he had he has been nothing but pure class since he's been here. I've gotten to know him the past couple of years. And like I said, he's been nothing but a fantastic guy to deal with. After a loss, after a win, he's the same guy who will never throw a player under the bus. And I, I unfortunately, I did think the time was right for there to be a new voice. And it's going to, boy, I would not want to be in Kim Ng's shoes because she has some really, a really big hole to fill. And it's going to be tough to replace Don Mattingly for sure. And there you go with the, yeah. the statements. I'll, I'll read the statement from principal owner Bruce Sherman. We are fortunate to have had Don Mattingly leading our team on the field over the last seven years. He has represented the Marlins, our players, our fans, and the South Florida community with unmatched dignity and pride. Over the course of our recent conversations with Don, we both agreed not to pursue a new contract for the 2023 season and that the time is right for a new voice to lead our clubhouse. He will depart with the most wins and most games managed in franchise history, and we are proud of Don's many accomplishments, including winning the National League Manager of the Year in 2020 when he guided the Marlins to the postseason after a 16-year absence. So you know, nothing but great words for the, for the great Don Mattingly. Yeah, and, and this wasn't a parting of an issue on one side and the other. This was a mutual parting. There was never an issue with Donnie. Isaac and I, I pretty much talked to this guy at least maybe two, three times a week when we go cover class act on the field and has been a class act with the media. He's a player's guy, and um, it's just it's unfortunate that it had to come to end like this. But, yes, as Isaac mentioned, a new voice is needed. And uh, I guess we could talk about who this new voice could be. Do you have anyone in your in your mind? I mean, we were going to come out with an article on this at some point after the season because we all answered that. But uh, just anyone you're thinking of, I know Joe Spot is a name that will come up. James Rossen is expected to get an interview, at least us assuming that it's more of a due diligence type thing. So any other names that come up to your mind? A name that you know our great Eli Sussman mentioned was um, Francisco Cervelli. He could be a, a favorite, although I sort of see him like liking where he's at right now in San Diego. And then there's just a whole bunch of coaches all over, you know, Major League Baseball that could be perfect for the job. I just have no idea which direction Kim is going to go. And I think we just do have to wait till at least the end of the regular season to just see who would be available and whose contract won't be renewed before we can even start to speculate on who it might be. But I guess to maybe go in one direction, you'd think maybe someone with the Yankee ties, you know, an organization that Kim has worked with, it, it would fit the pattern for sure. Yeah, and if you're thinking Yankees, maybe Dodgers as well. She's also part of the Dodgers organization, so that's definitely one there too. But um, I think a young manager is definitely something you want, but someone with experience. I know you also mentioned we have to wait until the end of the season because we don't know what managers get fired from their current jobs. If Milwaukee somehow maybe doesn't make the playoffs and then they see that there's a different way to go, Craig Council and they get fired just as one dimension there. But, yeah, I think we just have to see. We can only speculate now in terms of, non-managerial rule guys so let's move on to what we're here for we're here to talk about top 30 prospects isaac recently made his list mine has been out for a little bit now i made one update to it after jj bladay 
uh, graduated from his prospect ranking. So I think we'll start with the top 10. And uh, let's let's let Eli share that. And there you have it. Um, Isaac and I's top four is exactly the same. So we're just going to go right into number five. And I want to talk about Jacob Berry because you have him rated at five. I have him at nine. Why is Jacob Berry so high for you in your list? Well, that's a tough one. You know, you got to think that he's a little bit polished of, as a hitter. He was probably the best college bat coming out of the 2022 draft class. And, you know, compared to the other high-risk high school kids that are right beneath Barry in my ranking, you got to think he's closest to the big leagues. You got to think he's got probably the higher of floors compared to the other guys. Switch hitter, unfortunately, the ceiling is kind of limited based on where he's going to play defensively. I don't see him as anything other than a first baseman DH. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll make it work out at 30. You know, the famous throwing, bad throwing motion of Ryan Zimmerman ended up working out. You know, Jacob Barry seems to have something similar. But yeah, Jacob Barry, I think, I'm, like I said, I was not a huge fan of the draft pick, but I think he's still the be- fifth best prospect in the Marlins system. And the only other name I guess we could touch up on here in the top 10 is Dax Fulton. You have him. You have Jacob Barry over Fulton. I have Fulton right over Barry. So. If there's anything you could do this top 10, and I know we may be the moving of Fulton a little bit higher, and I think I'll do the same as well after what you show, not only towards the end of the season, Beloit, but coming up to Pensacola and just dominating. And we all know that ERA was, the, I guess, an issue, but the FIP showed differently. The ERA is no longer an issue in, Pens- in Pensacola. And shout out to the Wahoos, they're Southern, Southern League champions. So um, just what would you change to your top 10 right now? Yeah, not to spoil anything, but when this list comes out with all the analysis under each player at the end of the of the Major League regular season, I think Fulton will have a significant bump up in the rankings. What he did in the postseason for Pensacola, what he's doing at his age at such a tough level in Double A, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know him and Barry maybe flip flopped, or maybe you know him and Eater flip flopped. As I have Eater at four, you know the Marlins have some some great left handed pitching prospects, so uh, I think Dax Fulton is the one you got to look at. And then I want to look at number 10, the 10th spot for both of us. I have Watson. You have Nunez. Watson, he's been a little bit up and down this year mentally and playing on the field, but he caught off to a great end of the season, our last good month. Nassim Nunez to many should have been the minor league player of the year after what he did. Um, started in high A, played extremely well and went up all the way to Pen- to Pensacola, played extremely well there. Um, your reasoning for having a guy like Nassim over – oh, you have Khalil Watson. Yeah, yeah so I have – I'm a little higher on Khalil than, yeah. than you know, I guess I suppose you are. Yeah. Obviously, the off-the-field stuff was an issue, but you know what? He's an 18-year-old kid that has never struggled his entire adolescent life. So I, I just think it'll come with maturity. And everyone that I've talked to about him, like, oh, man, this guy really, you know, it looks like another bust. But now everyone that I've talked to has said, hey, don't give up on him yet. Don't give up on him yet. So I still think the tools are there. The raw talent is there. The speed, the power, the bat speed, I think it's all there. So I think, you know, he plays a premium position. Whether he sticks at short is to be determined. But I think he's still got a pretty hefty ceiling, you know, being how young he is. He'll probably start off at low A next season. So, yeah, I, I have him at number six in the organization. Yeah, I have him at 10 just simply because of the off the field issues. But I would, everything Isaac said, I, I do agree with this guy. I think out of the last draft picks they've made, this is the one I'm still holding a lot of hope on because of how much he fell and where he was projected to go. He was expected to be a top three, top five pick. So I guess the last thing I want to mention with, Fulton and, per- and Yuri Perez here is do you do you see maybe a one do you see both of these guys in the top three next year for us in the in their prospect rankings I'll keep it oh. short yes 
Yes. All right. There we go. So let's move on to the next 10. So this would be, I believe, 11 through 20. So let's look at this right here. Jake, Isaac has Jacob Miller at 13. That's the biggest name there. I have him at 17. I have Nassim at 16. Anything that stands out to you between our 11 through 19, Isaac? Um, I think you got to start with Jacob Miller. I know you love Joe Mack, but ironically, we have him ranked pretty similarly. You at 12, yeah. me at 14. I didn't remember where you had Ian Lewis, but I think the name that I'm going to go back to is Jacob Miller drafted, you know, what was he technically first round as second round of the 2022 draft. And he had, it was weird with him. He had one good start, one bad start. And he just continued with that pattern in the minor leagues. But I think the curveball is plus, And I think the velocity, while it won't be elite, I think it'll be okay. 94, 95. And I think he has really high reliever ceiling. And just think if everything works out, he could be a back end starter in the big leagues, but he's someone that I like. I like the video on him. His high school stats were insane. He struck out two batters per inning for in like 70 innings pitch. It was it was pretty remarkable what he was able to do at high school. Yeah, and then just looking at the list once again, I think we we show some DSL love here. We have Jose Gerardo entering our top 20. So you have him at 18, I have him at 19. Very similar there. Once again, your thoughts on Gerardo and the DSL, which he's been really, really good. So uh, I think he hit almost 20 bombs, I believe, or somewhere around there. So just your thoughts on Gerardo's season with DSL and do you think how, how much of a jump can he make next time around when we redo these lists, maybe at the start of spring training or at the start of the season? Yeah, you know, the DSL isn't exactly my area of expertise. I don't know how quick these guys jump from level to level, I'll be honest. But all I know is that he had one heck of a pro debut this year in the DSL where his OPS was mid-900s. He was hitting for power. He was getting on base at an insane clip. He's an outfielder. When I spoke with Adrian Lorenzo on the field, along with Christina and Jordan, he's the first name that, you know, he threw out there. I was like, how's it going? Couple, having a couple teams. So, oh, it's great. There's guys like these, Jose Gerardo, you named a couple of other ones that we'll get into later. But, you know, he is someone that really just, it's pure performance. It would put him on my list so high for me. He really performed outstanding as a 17-year-old in DSL. So you, the only other name, I think, I think I want to mention two more names here. You have Gerard at 11. I have him at 15. He made his major league debut. He's been playing here and there. So why still so high on him? Yeah, he, uh, he's someone that might fall to 12, 13 by the end of the season. I, I liked what I saw from him in his first taste, you know, when you came up and hit that grand slam. Now a 3-2 pitch. This one's into right field. Hit pretty well. This one's carrying. This one is gone. It's a grand slam for Gerard Encarnacion. His first big league home run is monumental. And he still looked good when he got called up again. But since then, he's just had a really tough time resembling any sort of approach or, you know, just being able to put the ball in play any sort of consistent rate. So it's been tough. I, maybe guys like Ian Lewis deserve to be a little higher than Gerard, But still, I believe in the raw power. He's got as much raw power as anybody in the entire system, including the big leagues. And I like his swing. I like his stance. He's got a heck of an arm, but I think it'd be better served at first base where, you know, his routes aren't the best in the outfield. So I think just that combination of tools is what puts him pretty high for me. And a name that I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you had him in your top 10, but you don't have him in your top 20, is Zach McCambly. I have him at 18. Mm -hmm. So I think McCambly, I know he's had probably one of the bigger up and down seasons. He starts off pretty, you know, during spring training, you look at it and we were getting reports saying this guy's really freaking good. He's, He's a bullpen. He's going to be a really good bullpen piece. And then he goes into at the start of the season with Pensacola. It's a pretty, it's a little bit rough. And then you go back 
midseason, he looks good. And then at the end of the season, he looks rough again. But And then he's out for the year with, I believe, it was arm fatigue. So do you still hope any – do you have any hope for a guy like McCambly? Because now he's played a full season in Pensacola. Do you think they'll put him again in Pensacola? Because he did struggle most of the time. But at the other – but he ha- he showed flashes of being a really good pitcher. So do you see him in AAA or in AA in going into next year? Because it's a weird case with the guy repeating the level twice. Yeah, he uh, he struggled. Last year he was pitching well in, in Beloit, and when he got called up to Pensacola, he really struggled. Yeah. He's here, he started this year in AA Pensacola again, and he just the home runs have been an issue. The ERA, as you can see, it's at 5.65 for the year. He really fell off. He's in my 20 to 30 range in the rankings. So, yeah, you know, I still think of him as a top 30 prospect with a plus-plus curveball. 0-2 swing and a miss on the curveball down. McCambly, seven strikeouts over five awesome innings. Very nice kid. I spoke to him in spring training. But, yeah, he's got some some making up to do. He really had a tough year. He had some stretches where he would just look outstanding. You know, he looked how he looked in, in Beloit. He had some starts where he struck out 12. And just pitched really well, but most of it, it was more bad than good, unfortunately, in his sophomore season as a professional. So we'll see. It's going to be a big year for him as to where he starts at double A AA or triple A. I think it's hard to justify him going up a level when he really has not pitched well at double A at all. So I, we'll see. They might throw him to triple A just because the competition might be a little easier there than at double A, but we'll see. That's a, we'll see where they put him. I know it's a different player, but when JJ Bladey was in double A, he was. It, it was pretty bad most of the time, and he still got the yeah. bump up, right? Yeah, they, they call up everyone. I don't know. They, yeah, they that's the perfect examples. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm thinking he may get that call up there. But the last name I want to mention that's on your li- on your part of this top 10 is Ronald Hernandez, switch hitting catcher out of the DSL. This guy is one that was, I think, first ever mentioned by, ooh, I want to say Daniel DeVivo on Twitter, and then everyone's been getting steam on this guy. Switch hitter. He had a pretty rough season. I think it was okay what he did in the DSL, but I think um, I think this guy's going to be real good as well. So I think I have him at 21, so we'll see him right in the next slide. But your thoughts on Ronald Hernandez? Yeah, like you said, switch hitter. He's got a cannon of an arm. If he if everything goes right with the hit tool, he could be a switch hitting Wilson Contreras. Obviously, it's so, he's such a raw, yeah. raw player, but he's someone that I liked. I saw him in um, during the lockout, during the you know minor league spring training games. I saw him, and he was pretty good. He had some nice swings, but obviously the bat is very – It's the glove is much further along than the bat, at least the arm is anyway. So it, it's tough to see, but I just like the tools, and that's why he's number 20. Yeah, and the last player I want to mention is Anthony Peguero, who I, I don't know if you have him on the list, but he's definitely been one of the star study guys here, outfielder for the uh, DSL as well. So you're just seeing how much DSL guys were getting into the list. I have three. You may have three as well. I don't know if you have Peguero on your list at all, but – uh, I think it is time to move on to the next set of, uh, I think the next 10 on our list. And this is the last 10 here. And oh, you I did have, have, you do have Yeah, you do. 25. Oh, there he is. Okay. And you do have it. Andrew Nardi on there as well. Yeah. yeah. I... Uh, it's been a rough stretch for him, but uh, I want to talk about, do you have Griffin Conan on here? Griffin yeah. Conan was an honorable mention for me. He was? Okay. So how come Griffin Conan didn't crack your top 30? I think you know the answer to that. You know, the home, runs, the home runs were there. He just has shown no improvement when it comes to the strikeout, into the strikeouts. So, yeah. unfortunately, he's right there. He's still, I still consider him a prospect, but, you know, to think of him as anything more, than, I don't think he's 
ever going to have a full season as a starter in the major leagues. Uh, I just yeah. don't think it's possible. And it's unfortunate he's a really good kid as well, you know, son of Mr. Marlin. But, yeah, I, again, he's going to be – he's getting up there. No, I forget how old he is exactly. 26, uh, I want to say. Mm, there he is. Sorry about that. He's 25. He's about to turn he'll, – he'll turn 26 in July of next year. So, yeah, you know, he, he's getting older, and he's still at double A. So, we'll see. But, yeah, he is an honorable mention for me. Not much not much there than the, than the prolific power that he has. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And you have Charles LeBlanc on your list. Of so. course. I, I get them. Yeah, I get having him on there. He's been great at the big leagues. He was great in AAA, good enough to get AAA player of the year. So shout out to him, I guess, on your end. You have Jose Devers. Yes. So you still consider him a top 30 guy? I do. I do. He was called up like for no good reason. Yeah. You know, it, it was really horrible the fact that they called him up when he just wasn't ready. He's been hurt so many times. I still believe in the bat to ball skills. I still believe in the speed. I still believe in the glove. He's he's gonna have to fill out a little bit. I haven't been able to put my eyes on him for a while, you know. He's because uh, he's just been you know nowhere to be seen. He's been MIA, but I still believe in him. I think he'll be in spring training, fully ready to go. And yeah, I I, I like Jose Devers, and he's the last remaining piece from the John Carlos Stanton trade. So the Marlins better hope they get something out of him. But I still see him as utility infielder guy. Maybe he can get a lot of starts. Maybe left hand hitting John Birdie, who just hopefully puts the ball in play as much as Birdie does. But yeah, I think he's a he's a good looking ball player. Paul McIntosh did not make your list. Many assume that he's definitely a top 30 guy. He is in my eyes, as you can see. I have him at 24. Just what went into not putting a guy like McIntosh in there uh, after what he's done this season for the Wahoos. I mean, he's been pretty damn good, and I know his defense isn't the greatest out there, and not many see him translating as a catcher to the big leagues, maybe as a first baseman or a corner outfielder. So just your thoughts on the McIntosh, because the bat is there. It's just the defense, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's about to turn 25. He's a bad, bad catcher. Yeah. Um, the bat will have to carry him all the way there. And he's a good ball player. He's a good, you know, depth piece for the organization. If they need, you know, if uh, Stallings gets hurt or Fortes gets hurt, I think he could be someone that's knocking on the door. But to rank him above guys, you know, like Soriano and Simpson and McCants, who are just young and really talented, it'd be tough. He he will be in my honorable mention. So it's been a, a hell of a season from Paul McIntosh. So we both have this guy on the list, Andy Johnson, playing his second full season with Beloit. He this barely up. made it for me. He barely he, made it for me. He, barely, okay. he had a good season for Beloit. The issue has been that he's in Beloit. He should be in Pensacola in many of our eyes. Uh, he played a full season twice, so two seasons in Beloit. Your thoughts on MD and why did he just crack your list? Because he, he was pretty good. I mean, in my eyes, he was good enough to make the list. And you see, I, I put him pretty comfortably there at number 27. And I want to talk about one other guy after. Yeah, he's another 25-year-old guy that you said it. He should be in Beloit. I really, I'm sorry. He should be in Pensacola. Pensacola. I didn't see the reason to not at least give him a few starts the way they did to Fulton. You know, Fulton is, what, 19, and they're not going to give MB Johnson a few starts out there. But he performed really well. He, you know, he had the strikeouts. He didn't allow a ton of hits. Didn't allow a ton of home runs. But he, he did give up a few. So he's someone that, you know, he's going to be 26 at the end of next season. 
and you're, hopefully he'll still be in the system, but he's going to be at double-A, triple-A, and maybe he's someone that gets a call-up next year. I don't know how they didn't call him up to the higher levels this season, like you said, but yeah, he's someone that I that has looked good towards the end of the season. Yeah, and then one guy who we expected to get the call-up did not get it. He is on the very bottom portion of our list, 29 for me, 28 for you, Josh Simpson. Very weird he didn't get the call-up because this bullpen has not been performing. We see what Andrew Nardi has done. It's just not been good. Struggled a lot. Obviously, it's his first season. Just got the call-up. But your thoughts on Josh Simpson and why he may have not gotten the call-up there? I, I, I think I think he fell victim to Alex Carver's propaganda. I, and I, he, he was good. He's a good player. He was really good, yeah. I think he should have gotten a call-up, but I don't think it's the end of the world that he didn't. It's a shame that they gave, you know, Wesker Brazoban and the other one, I forget his name, so many opportunities. Probably him. Yes, Anir Zavala. They could have given Simpson the opportunity, but he, he he had his struggles. You know, so did Nardi. But, you know, Jeffrey Yan and Josh Simpson had their struggles out of the bullpen, you know, at times. And they were really bad. And I think the last thing that this team wants is for these young guys to come up and pitch the way Andrew Nardi is pitching. You know, and so I think maybe that scared him a little bit. Who knows? Maybe not. But, yeah, we were on the assumption that Josh Simpson would get the call. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's uh, it's the end of the world that he didn't. Yeah, and then who? What else can we look at here? David, Carson you know what, you give me your thoughts on George Soriano, your favorite guy. He's good. He's really good. I don't know why I didn't put him in my top thirty. I think he's definitely going to make it in there next time. Uh, just dominant. You know, everything is good for him. I, I saw him more in a reliever role, and he showed that in Jacksonville, and he's been really freaking good as a reliever. So he's definitely someone who they have to try to protect because I believe he could go into minor league free agency. He could elect that. So we'll see what happens there with George Soriano, but. You did uh, Carson Millbrand is the next team I think we could get into because you had him ranked a lot higher than myself. Um, the reasoning for Millbrand so low for me is because I really haven't seen much of him and really don't know much, but I know he's really good and they overpaid for this guy a lot. And I'm pretty sure slot value was it was a normal slot value and they gotten for way, way over that value. So Isaac, why is Millbrand rated so high for you? Yeah, you know, I, I like to put I like to give the fresh draft picks, an opportunity to debut on the list, you know, yeah. just in case they don't perform well, they, uh, they, they fall off. But no, I, I like the fastball coming out of the draft. He didn't really perform that. He only threw two innings, I think, in professional baseball this year. And I gave, I think he gave up two earned runs. So he wasn't off to the best of starts. But I like the tools, like I said. The, the curveball, the fastball, it all looked good for me. So I, I had him pretty high up. I think I had him, what I, I had him at 17. So I think that's a fair. Maybe you could give or take. A couple spots but i think that was a fair assessment for carson now now that we pretty much looked at the whole list is there anything that you could see on my list that needs a change and then i'll say the same thing for you mm. i think you have griffin pretty high at 25th yeah. i like that we both believe in jordan mccants i think the glove is spectacular i think the personality is a1 hopefully mm -hmm. it's a little bit but you know since his brother is hitting i think that means he's going to be a star um <laughs> Yeah, no, I, it looks good. I like Charles LeBlanc. You know, he, he's a guy. He hits. He's I, know, I don't know why I didn't include him in there. He's one of the few guys that when he got called up, he hit. And it's September 29th, and he's still hitting. It was a little yeah. bit last night, but he's still hitting. So maybe he's someone. How would you feel about a Brian Anderson, Joey Wendell, Jordan Groshans, Charles LeBlanc in field next year? Oh, Lord. I want to be too proud of having B.A. in there. I think I see him more as an outfielder now after what we've seen lately. This guy has a cannon of an arm, and we saw it last night against the Mets. I think it was an extra innings where B.A. just threw an absolute cannon, did not allow Lindor to tag there. So 
LeBlanc has been good. He, he's kind of under that Dan Ugla situation where they're both the same age. They're both Rule 5, and they've both had a lot of success. Not saying LeBlanc will be Dan Ugla, but the situation is very similar. And me, who did not watch Dan Ugla that much play, I'm somehow saying that one. But um, from your list, I think I would just move up Ian Lewis, to be honest with you. And I would add Paul McIntosh in there. Oh, uh, I think you could. I think you could remove Nardi. <laughs> remove Nardi. Yeah, honestly, and and you put PMAC around the lower areas there because we've seen what Nardi's done at the big league level. It's not been it's not been pretty. And Devers, yeah, I don't mind keeping him in there. Yeah. It, it definitely has been concerning. And Lewis, he struggled this year. He's still so young, and I think once he stops switch hitting, is when he'll really take off. But you know, I think. He struggled a little bit at in Jupiter, so we'll see. I, I like where I have him right now. Yeah, and where do you see? Do you see him hitting lefty or righty, man? I, I forgot. I think he hits lefty. Fantastic. Eli can come in and, and tell us. I think yeah, he hit one. I think lefty hit like two ninety five or three hundred five, and righty was hitting below one twenty or something. So he's definitely should stop switch hitting. Sort of the reverse Ozzy Albies splits. Yeah, I'm going to look up Lewis's stats because I know he was injured at the start of the season and he came in and he was just on a tear. But um, no, I can he's tell right you. now. I can tell he's you. He's hitting 265, 347, 368, 715 OPS, two homers, 21 RBIs. So it's solid. His OPS is good, meaning he's being a good contribution. But Eli, if there's any way we could put up the page before this just so we could take another look and see what other changes we can make to these lists for the next time around. If you're there. Not there you go. Yep. Versus What are your thoughts on Victor Mace though? Yeah, as I mean, a right-handed as a right-handed batter, Ian Lewis okay. hit 130, as a left-handed batter, he hit 309. So just become a lefty hitter. Victor Mesa Jr., another down year, not a lot of impact in the baseball unfortunately. He'll go to the AFL this year and go up against some tough competition, still extremely young, still very talented. I don't have high hopes. You don't? I mean, he's, oh, there we go. Perfect. This is amazing. Thank you, Eli. So, I mean, we could talk a little bit about the guys that are going to go to the AFL, as you mentioned. Jose Salas is one. I think it'll be highlighted by Jose Salas and J Joe Mack. And yes. then you have, um, you just mentioned him, Victor Mesa, and then some other guys in there, which I don't know if we have the list of those guys somehow, but. Yeah, no, um, that's okay. I think we can stick with these. And Jose Salas. Those are the main highlighted guys, yeah. So Yes, Salas really sort of saved his season a little bit playing pretty well at Beloit. Still didn't impact the ball as much as I would have liked. And, but he got on base a decent amount, so I think that's important. He's another switch hitter as well. He'll be a third baseman. I'm very intrigued to see what he does in the AFL. I hope he plays well. Him and Victor Mesa Jr., I guess Joe Mack really highlight the group. But, yeah, I think uh, I think Jose Salas can be, can be special. I think his ceiling has been sort of compromised a little bit. I don't see him being that superstar that I may have thought he could be going into this season. But I think I still think he can be a very good big league regular. Yeah, and with Joe Mack, just keep in mind he's been injured most of the season. But he is a, uh, the, I think DJ Svelik mentioned this first. He is a hitting for he's an offensive first catcher, so his defenses may not be the greatest. And it's kind of like a lot of these catchers in the big leagues, and I mean I'm sorry in the minor league system. But keep in mind AFL pitching is not the greatest, and also keep in mind that um, the ballparks. I'm pretty sure that ball flies there, so. Look what J.J. Villa did. That he got an a AFL MVP. He was the AFL All Star, and look what he's doing now. So, um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about J.J. Villa? I know you've had your your 
your strong feelings about Blade, and he he's someone that made our, both of our lists at the time, and with the graduation of him very recently, no longer prospect or considered one, he was off our list. So where did you originally have him in? Uh, what have been your thoughts on him? So we could end it after this. I had Blade yeah. at seven. I had it Yuri, Meyer, Silas, Eater, Barry, Watson, and then Blade. I originally had him at fifth, and after, you know, over the last couple of weeks, he has struggled mightily. I don't like the player at all. I've, I haven't been quiet about that. I, I don't think he has any future as being a big league regular playing every single day. I think the arm is good in the outfield. He's not a center fielder. Poor guy. He's been asked to task. He's been tasked with playing at a very yeah. big Lone Depot Park center field, which hasn't been easy on him. But at the same time, he is just so, you know, content with drawing a walk rather than, you know, making damage. And it's been tough. It's been tough to watch. But, you know, hopefully maybe an offseason with some hitting coaches will help him out next year. But, I, you know, I wouldn't put too much stock in J.J. Blade as a starting outfielder for the Marlins. Yeah, I'm kind of on Isaac's end here where you can't blame the guy for playing for being put in a position where he is in center field. And I'm surprised you really haven't moved him permanently from there because you've seen the mistakes he's made. I guess it's just another situation of letting the player work through his mistakes, I guess. But it's not working this time in. Yes, he started off pretty well at center field. I'll give him that. Just it's kind of like Jesus Sanchez where he started off. It was it was impressive and the you know his, his where he takes at bats is very good as well. I mean that's something that's impressed me. But the guy can't hit. I mean he's I, I said this once and I'll say it again. In my opinion, he's like a Jorge Soler. This guy all he does is hit homers and he can't hit for contact and he walks and he strikes out at a very high rate. It's it's pretty similar in my eyes, but. You know, when I put in this group chat, I think it was a year and a half ago, and I said that Brian Miller has a higher floor than J.J. Blade. Mr. Eli made fun of me. Mr. Alex Carver made fun of me. Everyone made fun of me. And I would, Brian Miller is a career 333 hitter in the major leagues. He's got, he should be a big leaguer. I'll say, he plays center field. And it's really, that's the one thing I wanted to mention on this show. It's really a shame that he wasn't able to get at least one opportunity with the Marlins. I don't know whether he'll be with the organization next year, but he, really deserved and he earned a shot to have another big league opportunity this year yeah it sucks it sucks because he he did get an opportunity but not fair at all it was that one series against the Yankees last year yeah three at bats not fair at all this guy is definitely one of those players who deserves a shot to be up here over a couple other guys I think he should be here up here over a Peyton Burdick which at the time of this recording we do expect roster moves to be made with Avi Garcia coming back maybe Joey Wendell coming back and Maybe Tommy Nance, I assume, so we'll maybe see some guys going down that shock us. But, yeah, no, Brian Miller definitely should be a big leaguer right now. And uh, it, it really does suck to see that. And I think the final thing we can mention before you ended up is that Jesus Sanchez was the minor league player of the month. So I guess they still consider him a, a minor – well, he's a minor leaguer right now. But any hopes for you with Jesus Sanchez or no? Yeah, very talented player. Very talented player with elite speed – I'm sorry, with elite bat speed and with elite power. So I, I always – Hold out hope with him. I think if he just played right field every single day, he'd be great in the outfield. But, you know, he just he has to be smart. He has to adjust to the major league pitching, and he'll be okay. But I don't hold great, insanely high hopes, but definitely higher hopes than some of the other guys.
Fish Stripes Unfiltered, episode number 28. My name is Azzy Azut, and today Eli Sussman and I are joined by one of the very best prospects in the Marlins organization, one of the youngest players in the Arizona Fall League, Jose Salas. Thank you so much for the time, Jose. How are you doing? Oh, good, man. Thank you guys for having me. Sir, and I just guess this first question can be, how do you feel your season went, you know, Jupiter and Beloit? Um, felt like I had a great season. Um, one can always do more. Uh, just happy what with um, the Marlins and everybody has done with me. Um, I just, you know how it is, just grinding through the season, season's a long season. So um, uh, Jupiter was pretty good, uh, felt good in Jupiter. Had a good, good, I had a good time I was, while I was there. And then getting the call up was pretty, pretty exciting for me too. Getting to go play in Beloit, um, getting that higher competition uh but yeah no so far good year uh, jose is there any particular game or moment that like sticks with you i remember the five hit game that you had in beloit i saw a good amount of highlights from you both hitting and on defense is there anything that sticks with you that like that you're really proud of and keep replaying in your mind as like an example of this is who jose salas looks like when he's at 100 percent? yeah probably the five eight game that you said was pretty pretty exciting. Never done nothing like that before, but um, but probably for me, probably the last the last series I had with um Jupiter and Daytona, mm-hmm. uh, I felt like I really just went to another level that last series before they called me up. Um, wasn't expecting call the call up, but just like that last series in Daytona was just for me just was that was on another level like hitting wise defensive wise I felt pretty good um I felt like I was ready but um yeah probably for me the five hit and uh my last series in with Jupiter in Daytona mm-hmm. I would say the last time you and I spoke it was actually at the development camp at Lone Depot Park I think November of last season of last year just want to how do you feel that you've improved as a ball player since the last time we spoke last year yeah, I feel like I've I've grown. Um, you know, the time being here with the team, it, it wears on you and for for the good. Um, but you know, like how people just say experience is everything and it's true, man. Like just being here with the guys, um, it just it, it really it really just gets the best of you. Um, I feel like I've matured a little bit more, I've gotten older um since we've last talked but um yeah I just feel like if I like I know what I'm a little bit doing now per se a couple years before which was just playing I feel like I know how to move around I know what I can do and what I'm capable of not doing but um yeah that's pretty much it well one thing that sticks out that I mean, you're as good at anybody is stealing bases and doing it efficiently. You got caught one time like five months ago, and then you were perfect the rest of the way. Um, how do you do it? What's the secret? Because there are other guys that steal a lot of bases in the minors. You play with them. Um, but, I mean, to be as perfect as can be for most of the season, with that, uh, what puts it in your mind about when is the right time to steal a base? Because you seem to be making the right decisions like every single time, stealing 33 out of 34 this year. Yeah, uh, honestly, just being aggressive. Like for me, it's just being aggressive, um, knowing when to steal, when not to steal. For me, it's uh, pretty much like counts, 
what's the pitcher doing, watching him while I'm on deck, watching him when I'm in the dugout, just keeping an eye on him and see what he does that I can get a little ahead of him or just the aggressiveness, like I said, just the aggressiveness on the bases uh, over here with the Marlins that taught us that. And um, I love running. I just love to get in position where I can where I can um, score and help the team out and put runs on the board. So if that means steal every bag I see, then so be it. Over the 2022 season, Jose, I was just curious, if the, both Jupiter and Beloit, who was the toughest pitcher that you've had to face, you know, in both levels? So I was just curious to see who you really thought when you faced him. We're like, wow, he's going to be a stud in the big leagues. I don't, I don't really keep track on the pitches. But I'll probably say when I got called up, uh, that series that we versed in South Bend at home, their pitching is pretty dominant. I don't really know them their pitches like that, but um, their whole bullpen is is pretty pretty nice. They got starters throwing a hundred. Um, it's guys throwing ninety two sliders. <laughs> it's pretty it's it's pretty up there. But I would have to say um, uh, when they called me up my first series in in Beloit against uh, the Cubs. I guess that sort of answers my next question was that when you do get called up from low A to high A, do you feel the total upgrade in talent that you're going up against? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Pitching wise, um, there is a difference. Uh, pitchers know what they're doing. They know how, how to pitch to you, what they're going to do to you. I feel like they have a plan just like we have a plan when we go up to the plate. Um, that's the only thing that I saw differently than, than in that I saw in Jupiter. Jupiter, the lower levels, they're just uh, going through the motions. I feel like the pitches were more fastball pitchers, just get it in there. Um, once I got called up, it was more like I'm coming after you. So that's the that's the adjust that I had to – that's the thing that I had to adjust to when I did get called up. Like, I need to, I need to get, get it. So um, that was pretty much it. Yeah, South, uh, South Bend, like I said, they have really good pitching and – and when I did get called up, but for me, it was the pitching that that stood out. Right. Well, after you got called up, Jose, you were teammates with Victor Mesa Jr. He's out there in Arizona with you, and um, you got to play with him almost every single day. What's, what's your scouting report on him? What did you get to learn about him on and off the field when you were with him the second half of the season? Great person. It's like another brother of mine, um, Mesa, on the field, off the field, great person. Uh, spectacular center field. Uh, his defense is, is, for me, one of the best. Um, at the plate, same thing, just like his brother. His brother's defense is, is elite. Same thing with him. Um, his bat is, is, is elite up there, too. Just all around, just a great player and great person to be around, too, at the same time. Just, just blessed to play with people like that, just that are all around just good people. Yeah, he's got a great nickname for himself, the chosen one. Do you have something like that for yourself? Or do you think that's a little um, too cocky that he goes that far with it? Me, it's just uh, Sally. I go by Sally over here with the Marlins. But um, Mesa, the chosen one, he's he's always been – he's always had that on him. But, um, no, I think, it, I think it fits him good. It fits him. It fits Mesa. So, that's – for me, it's, it's whatever, but – 
Right. And I guess the last question I have for you, or maybe Sila has another one, is that have the Solar Sox told you about how much playing time you're going to get and where they might play you on the field? Over the um, no, yeah, no, we haven't um, discussed any of that yet. Uh, today was our first day of practice, so uh, it's pretty good. Um, but along as long as, as like along with as playing time and stuff like that, um, haven't heard anything. But yeah, for people that don't know, uh, on the same team with you, we got players from the Cubs. I think the Yankees, the Oakland Days, the Rays. So you probably know some of those guys already. Is there anybody there that you're excited to play for that you've already gone to know a little bit that uh, you think is going to help the team win a title? Because you guys are trying to repeat all the Marlins players that went out there last year. They won a title in the fall league. So do you think you have enough talent over there to get it done again this fall? Oh, yeah, for sure. We come out here. We're coming out here to get that ring. We 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 come out here to win, give it our all, um, play as a team, uh, get better, uh, learn from each other. And um, that's what I love about these guys. These guys, we've seen some of these guys before. But, um, yeah, just we just got to lock it in. Yeah, I was just gonna, we were talking about your defenses. Obviously, you can play second, third, short. Is there a position where you feel the most comfortable and obviously you're capable of all three? But it, which one is home to you? For me, it's always going to be shortstop. For me, shortstop's always going to be home. Um, but like I said before, um, I can play anywhere, like um, wherever you need me, wherever you think that we're going to win, wherever you think the chances are that we can be a winning team, I'll play. I will put me in center field. I know I played center field over there in, in Venezuela for winter ball. Right. So it's different for me. But like I said, I'll play anywhere, second, short, third. Um, I'll give it my all. But for me, it'll always be shorts up home. Home's that short. Yeah, and, and being invited to the AFL is a is a pretty prestigious honor. Do you have a goal set in mind for tw the twenty twenty three season? Yeah, um, come back stronger, come back more mature, come back with um, all the stuff I'm learning now. Just keep on taking it into the off season because the off season isn't really an off season. Right. It's more grinding for me, probably. The off season, I work harder during the off season than I do during the regular season, and I know a lot of guys are like that. But um, not just grind this off season, get bigger, get stronger, like every other year. Um, and yeah, just get ready for for twenty twenty three. Awesome, Eli. Unless you have anything else, I think that let's close it out there with Jose Salas. Appreciate your time. Uh, minor league season over, Marlins major league season about to end. So it's gonna be all eyes on you, man. We're gonna be covering you closely, following the day to day see how you're doing out there and you and the six other Marlins players out in the desert. So best of luck to you. Um, such a bright future ahead, man, only 19 years old. And um, uh, we think you're going to do great in the fall league. So thank thanks again. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. We may have a guest on next time. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. We, we aren't, we aren't sure. I think this is the last show of the season. So thank you for riding along, and um, we are, we're excited for the offseason. We'll definitely have some stuff up, up our minds. Um, we definitely want to do that draft we did last season where I took Joe Mack in the third round. So I'll definitely not be doing that again this time around. So we'll see you guys on the next one from Isaac, myself, Eli, uh, in the production scene. We'll see you guys all in two weeks. Peace out and go fish. We got to end it off right. <laughs>